It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ed. I'm Heidi. TJ. Uh, hey, TJ. Hi, TJ. So, TJ, how did you, how were you introduced to Babylon 5? I watched it back in 1993 with my mom <laughs> when, the, when, the ser- when the series premiere, The Gathering, came out. Actually, I think it was 1992 oh, wow. ah, or something like that. Your first then. Yeah, and then yeah. I watched it three more times on the channel, on, the, on channel 12, because they kept airing it. And then finally it came around as an actual series, like six months later, and Mom and I started watching it. Oh, cool. In fact, that's the only reason we got cable when we moved up when we moved up to Vancouver, is to continue watching Babylon 5, because it moved up to Primetime Entertainment Network. Oh, it's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just going to be the four of us today. Elizabeth, hotel Wi-Fi is down, but she's going to try to join us later. Okay. Today we are here to discuss Season 1, Episode 8, and the Sky Full of Stars. But first, here's an ISN report. ISN Special Report Reports of an unconfirmed shootout on Babylon 5. No details as yet on the assailant. However, Ambassador Delenn is reported to have been present. In other news, 20 years ago today, virtual reality cybernets were made illegal in any interrogation. The technique that utilised psychotropic drugs was banned after a number of high-profile cases where the victims of such procedures had to be committed to psychiatric units after becoming mentally unstable. After a court ruling, virtual reality cybernets could no longer be used in any official capacity. And the Sky Full of Stars originally aired on March 6, 1994. It was directed by Janet Greek. She directed Weird Al's first video, Ricky. And she also wrote a book called The Divorce Planner, Self-Defense for Women When They Need It Most. This episode was written by JMS. Given the importance of this episode, I don't think it would have been written by anyone else. No. Yeah, and the title, Heidi, um... You were guessing last week, it's uh, part of a quote from The Gathering. When um, Sinclair was talking about the Battle of the Line, he talked about and the sky was full of stars and each one of them an exploding ship, one of ours, or something like that anyway. Oh, okay. It's actually pretty close to what he said. I think you're missing an article like a the or an a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right, let's get into the episode. The episode begins with some guy arriving on the station, going through customs. 
And we see off in the distance, there's another guy who's already on the station waiting for him. And when the first guy gets through, he gets up and kind of heads off at the same time. These two guys are known as Night One and Night Two. Night One is played by Judson Scott. I kind of said that he looked a little bit like a young Ricardo Montalban. Well, it turns out that in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, he played Khan's right-hand man. Yeah. yeah. And he became friends with uh, Montalban, and they were friends until he uh, Ricardo Montalban died in 2009. Yeah, this Judson Scott was also in a few episodes of X-Files playing the same guy. And But what I liked is that he was on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. in the episode No Man's Land. He played Gil Swill. We just did that episode on Intro to Briscoe a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I had thought that he looked familiar from something, and I'm sure that's what it was that I was, because I actually probably shouldn't have, but I did go and look at his IMDb page, and he hasn't really done a whole lot since the 90s. Like, he's he's a production assistant or something now. Like, he's not an actor. And so I was like, well, it must have been Briscoe County Jr. because that's really the only thing that I've seen. My God, I'm looking at his <laughs> IMDb picture. I had a hairstyle like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, these guys were really shifty and really obvious, I, I thought. you know, it's, I don't know about you, you Heidi. You, this was the first time you see seen this. Did they look at all suspicious to you? Oh, yeah, I knew they were up to something. I, you know, of course, had no clue. Yeah. They could have been smuggling anything, really. Dust. Yeah, yeah. dust. <laughs> uh, Night 2 was played by Christopher Neem. He was he was on Doctor Who, another Doctor Who veteran. Uh, he was on Star Trek and Earth 2. Did any of y'all watch Earth 2? I tried rewatching it again on Netflix when we found it, and I was just like, why did I like this as a kid? Yeah, it doesn't really hold up. I remember when it was first on, I loved that show, but it doesn't hold up quite as well. Right, not something good that someone's going to do an intro cast for then. Probably not. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the role of Night 2, well, you remember how these episodes were filmed out of order? The role of Knight 2 was originally offered to Walter Koenig, who played Bester, but he had to decline due to health reasons and ended up playing Bester later on. Which is probably the better decision. Yeah. And then when he declined, the role was then offered to Patrick McGowan, who was on The Prisoner, the 60s series, but he had to decline because he wanted to take the part, but he had to decline because he was going to be out of country at the time. That would have been interesting. I kind of feel if he had been cast, they might have found a way to bring the character back a couple of times. Yeah. Because, yeah, we've already seen prisoner references in the show, so... Yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool. Apparently, he's really picky about which parts he accepts, and he read the script for this episode and said, yeah, well, he wanted to, but couldn't because he was busy. Uh, so next we see a guy named Benson walking along and he's stopped by two guys that remind him that Dex wants his money. Benson is played by Jim Youngs. I saw that he's the brother of John Savage and I don't know who John Savage is, but it seemed like that was supposed to be a big deal. Uh, yeah, I don't recognize that <laughs> name either. Uh, I've just got a feeling that Dex must work from the graph because everything that happens on the underground work, you know, is to do with the graph. Yeah. And they give Benson 24 hours to get his money. 
Oh, yeah, shady dealings all over the place. I mean, he's just uh, a low-level security guard trying to make a little bit of money. The two knights meet up in Knights Two Knight Two's quarters. Knight One has identified the target. It is Sinclair, and they plan on taking him out soon. Next, we see the opening credits. Okay, that confused me. Not the first time, but the second time. I was like, now wait, they didn't know that they were going to do this to Sinclair? They had to figure out that it was him once they got there? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Either that or they knew it was Sinclair. They knew he was a target, but they had to identify him on sight so that, you know, confer, to confirm the orders or something. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't really that clear. I just sort of rolled with it when it happened. I was like, eh, it'll be all explained. Yeah, yeah well, it totally worked the first time because it's like, okay, well, you know, they figured out who they have to do whatever to that they're coming to do you know because you don't know anything at that point but then afterwards it's kind of strange that I don't know it is it's a little weird that they don't know that that's directly what they're going there to do so my notes refer to these two as KO and KT from now on so if I say that I'm referring to night one and night two (laughs) we see them assembling some kind of device Next, uh, Garibaldi and Sinclair are questioning Benson about his use of the casino. Apparently, security personnel can't gamble while they're on duty, and when they're off duty, they're limited to 50 credits per week. He uh, says that he hasn't been exceeding his limits, but they say otherwise. They have different information, and they're worried because if he was in debt to the wrong people, he could be a security risk. So he's taken off duty pending the outcome of their investigation. And then we see why they have this rule. <laughs> Sinclair kind of rattles off his theory of lying. You know, and it, uh, I don't know, I've always found this quote really, it's much more a Garibaldi philosophy than it is a Sinclair philosophy, I think. You know, it's not something I was, would have expected Sinclair to say. Yeah, I see what you mean. That's kind of sound more like a Garibaldi quote. Hmm. It always seemed kind of Sinclair to me. Garibaldi seemed ridiculously suspicious about everything, but Sinclair had this weird sort of like older, wise, but somewhat suspicious of things. Well, I see where you're coming from, uh, but um, oh, it's an interesting philosophy to have at least. The Knights don't have a power supply for their little device yet, but it will be there. Next, we see Benson going into a secure area. Hmm, I wonder what he's going in there for. Yeah, they keep on calling this an energy pod when it's just a battery. And it felt like it was a bit of a clumsy bit of writing to me. They could have just called it battery or battery pack. Yeah. Hmm, we could, but, you know, sometimes you need to have fancy writing. Next, Dr. Franklin is examining Delenn. He's really glad to get a chance to examine him in Bari in peak condition. I guess he's only seen injured in Bari before now and they were hurt. And we find out that Dr. Franklin used to ex- uh, hitchhike on starships because he just wanted to see things he hadn't seen before. During the war, at one point, he was asked to hand over his notes on the Membari so they could use it for genetic and biological warfare, but he destroyed his notes instead. When he asked Delenn what she did during the war, she says that's a topic for another time. <laughs> of course it is. Deflecting. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I really wish that Elizabeth was here because this scene totally made me go, okay, 
Dr. Franklin is too good to be true. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course I didn't do that. I destroyed my notes rather than turning them over. Like, everything that he says is just so, like, he's just this incredibly wonderful person who has never done anything wrong. And I think that it's too good to be true and would maybe like to predict that he has some dark secret in his past. Hmm. So are you telling us you don't believe him when he said he burned his documents and he actually did something? No, maybe in this case he is telling the truth. I'm just saying that like every time we see him, we just learn how wonderful he is. And that he wouldn't ever do anything wrong and that he, you know, always makes the right decision and he's such a moral person. And I'm just thinking there's something there that's that he's hiding. He's a doctor. Doctors are always good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Benson takes Benson takes the energy pot to the night and they say they're going to deposit credits to his account within the hour. Now he asks about a transfer and they just kind of shoo him away. Then they continue working on their device, and now they're ready to proceed. Back with the scene with uh, Franklin, I almost forgot I was going to raise what Dylan said there. What do you think um, she could have been talking about? Oh, when she... she... Yeah, she she was asked, what did you do in the war? She avoided answering the question, so there's <laughs> well, definitely something there. <laughs> of course she did. I mean... I really didn't expect anything else from her. She's, you know, always pretty vague about things. <laughs> okay, I just thought you might have uh, had some thoughts on the matter, but there's a lot to discuss in this episode, so... <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect to uh, actually get some answers in this episode when she said that. I just figured, you know, this scene was going to be done and that was all we were going to get from her. So there was a pleasant okay. surprise there. Uh, next we see Sinclair having a dream about the Battle of the Line. He awakens and starts noticing a lot of things are weird, like the computer not responding, corridors being empty, the Zocalo's empty. He can't raise Earth Central or any of the ships in Grid Epsilon. Kind of reminded me of a episode of The Next Generation with Dr. Crusher a little bit. Yeah, yeah before we find out what actually is going on here, it does feel like a... Uh, sci-fi set piece, the empty station or the empty ship, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that he was, um, I thought that they would find him actually, like, still in his bed, that they were just, like, playing with his mind, that he was, um, just asleep and couldn't actually wake up, which is sort of like an Angel episode that I won't actually get into, but, um, but yeah, like, that's kind of what I thought was happening before we ah. more. In the season finale, we find out that it was all a dream. Spoiler alert. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it could be. With that line later, we're still in there. Uh, The computer eventually does come back online and says that there's one other life form detected. Sinclair goes to investigate and runs into night number two. And night two tells him, it doesn't matter. You could be dead. You could be asleep. It doesn't matter. Wherever you go, you're mine. Next, we see Garibaldi reading a newspaper. Did you see the headlines in the newspaper? Yes, I, like, paused. It was pretty cool, yeah. I I have a picture I'm looking at. Yeah, I made a note to cut some of the stories myself. Yeah, is there something living in hyperspace? Home Guard leader convicted. Jacob Lester found guilty in an attack on the Mabari embassy. The Narns settled the Ragesh 3 controversy, finally. (laughs) (laughs) 
EA president promises a balanced budget by 2260. Uh, Psychor, oh, Psychor in election tangle. Uh, it says San Diego still considered too radioactive for occupancy. Wasn't, wasn't there a talk about an attack on San Diego? Yeah. 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 When they like, listed events and things that had happened in history, San Diego was one of them. Oh, I like this one. The pros and cons of interspecies mating. <laughs> Jakar would be on the pro side. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, it's a throwaway thing. And if you didn't pause this, you wouldn't get this. And so, you know, it's, it's a 90s show made to be rewatched, made to be seen on video again and paused. You know, JMS knows what he's doing here and um, you wouldn't get things like this again for quite a while, you know, not until really DVD started coming out did um, TV shows really think about the rewatch value, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just another example of, well, I'm a fan of his work, so I would say this, but it's an example of JMS being ahead of his time. Mm. So next, Delayed enters, and she's worried because Sinclair didn't show up for his meeting, and Ivanova hasn't seen him since the night before, and Garibaldi goes off to investigate. Um, I must put this in here for uh, for Elizabeth because um, she's really worried about her husband. Oh, <laughs> her husband doesn't show up. What's she going to mm-hmm. do now? Yeah, he stood her up, you know, and, and that's a big deal. We're not letting go of this, <laughs> so you're aware. <laughs> Sinclair and Knight 2 were back with him. Sinclair is in Knight number 2's mind, but his body is somewhere else, and Sinclair realizes he's in a virtual reality cybernet. Oh, so 90s. Such a 90s. <laughs> the terminology, oh, It yeah. makes me cringe every time I mention it. <laughs> Night 2 demonstrates what he can do by killing Garibaldi repeatedly. If it had been Talia Winners, I would have been cheering. I'm sorry. <laughs> he says... <laughs> You're not a fan of her. How are you? I stand Talia. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. Uh, night number 2 says that everything is a simulation, but he, the commander, and the pain are real. Next, Garibaldi checks Sinclair's quarters, but they're empty. He does find Sinclair's communication link, contacts Ivanova in the CNC, and lets her know that they have a problem. I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier, but it just returned to me that during his simulation or dream, anyway, when he was think, still thinking it was a dream, Sinclair was went to bed and woke up wearing his trousers or pants, didn't he? It's just, why? What? <laughs> Don't you actually have anything to wear to bed? <laughs> he has to be ready at a moment's notice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or do all the um, command stuff, call him uh, Commander Stinky Pants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they would or not. It's, you know, you just don't diss on the commander. Yeah, maybe Ivanova gives them a uh, look every time they're about to bring it up. Raise this and I'll kill you. They have to spray air freshener every time he leaves the room. Yeah, it's just something random I noticed this time through. We're back with Sinclair at night number two. He notices that Sinclair's thoughts are rooted in the station and he really cares about the station. He lets him know that night one is watching over their bodies just to make sure nothing happens. But the goal yeah. of what they're doing is to find out why the Minbari suddenly surrendered at the Battle of the Line because they don't believe Sinclair's story about a blackout. Is it here they um, rattle off um, Sinclair's 
back um, history and um, information, like um, he's 39 and born on Mars. Yeah, that's a little later, but yeah, 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 right. Bio, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, delivering um, a bit of exposition. Yeah. Uh, in C&C, they don't have any leads about what happened to Sinclair, but they're going to look into every ship that's left recently, and they're going to check outside the station for a body that may be caught up in the station's gravity. The fact that the station is so big that it has its own gravity just tickles me every time I hear it. Yeah. Uh, something you don't ever really hear on um, Star Trek, you know? Well, Deep Space Nine really wasn't that big. <laughs> no, so. but still, I mean, even the ship, you know, um, they had they had whatever the force field was. So, you know, if a body was or anything was shipped outside the ship, it would have been kept in whatever force field was on. So, you know, this shows, yeah, you've got the extra bit of reality here. You don't want to think about those things on Star Trek. They're above murder on Star Trek. Mm. Until you get to Janeway. (laughs) (laughs) And next we're back with Sinclair at night too. It's where we get a little bit of Sinclair's bio, his life story. He's a career officer, gained a lot of quick promotions. He mentioned, like I'm so... What do you say? You were on track for Admiral, and he was kind of surprised that Sinclair wasn't an Admiral yet, but he's only 39. Like, so got plenty yeah. of time, doesn't he? I would yeah, imagine anyone... Think. Yeah, most people on the Battle of Line would have suffered some sort of mental trauma, and that would set you back a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Night 2 shows Sinclair, one of his squad mates, Mitchell, and Mitchell's played by Justin Williams, who is on an episode of X-Files, so we... Thing I saw. Yeah, Mitchell, who we'd never heard of before, yet somehow is extremely important to Sinclair. Mitchell wants to know why Sinclair betrayed them, and Sinclair said he tried to save them because he tried to ram them in Bar Cruiser, but he blacked out. And later on, Sinclair punches Knight 2 and realizes that the pain is real for both of them, and we see him flexing his hand. After he punches them, which I thought was kind of funny the way he was flexing his hand. But. It's the uh, generalized. I remember there was another VR show or movie where they had to like, in order to wake themselves up or keep themselves real. Like it, it was, I think it was in the cell. They had to like hurt themselves to make sure that it was. They know that it was still fake or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got Inception where they've got the item that kind of is meant to tell them whether they're in reality or not so there's always something going on to try and remind them they're not in the real world yeah yeah did uh yeah. did any of you watch lois and clark in the 90s no <laughs> yeah, i remember it well they had a virtual reality episode and uh of course, of course they did it was the 90s well right exactly and um so of course the person who created the world not knowing that clark kent is superman Clark Kent is not Superman in the virtual reality world and um and they can like throw the bad guy out of the game or something but then he just always reappears and this kind of reminded me of that how Sinclair got rid of him. Yeah. Also um we've been seeing several flashbacks so far what what are you making of these flashbacks to the battle of the line Heidi? 
the flashback that we kept seeing over and over yeah. and over again. <laughs> yeah. Recycled. <laughs> like, Make, really. Yeah, making the most of their CGI. <laughs> I was like, can we can we get more like this great stretching the budget out, yeah. (laughs) The information that we got was good, but honestly I just wanted more of it because I I don't know. When I think about what we got, I can almost kind of say, Well yeah, maybe I could I mean I didn't predict it, but maybe I if I had thought about like what happened it makes complete sense that yeah they like took him and did something to him but we still don't know what the something is well i do (laughs) (laughs) i don't i taking um matt humphrey's approach to this where even if i know what happens i'm gonna say i don't know now on and um delin finds ivanova and offers to help she wants to know if they try a telepath like talia and ivanova explains She's only a P5. She requires proximity and isn't trained for search and recover. And also, she's not in this episode because she's worthless. No, that's my, that's my, uh-huh. that's my uh-huh. <laughs> And Benson overhears this conversation. I'm sorry, Italia fans, but I'm not really. That's what um, Night One is worried about. Night Two. Night Two says that Sinclair is tough and breaking him won't be easy. They have about three or four hours before the search reaches their section. Night two is convinced that Sinclair is hiding something and wants to accelerate the program in spite of the dangers, which hallucination is one of them. And the fact that he brought that up, I guess, should have been a hint that it's going to come back later. Yeah. (laughs) The search for Sinclair continues. Uh, Gary Baldi's aide, who we first saw in Mind War, says they pulled, even pulled in Benson to help and. Garibaldi's worried that Benson is security risk, but his aide says he's not because he has a surplus in his account now. And they check into it, and Garibaldi wonders how somebody like Benson could have gotten 15,000 credits. And it happened around the same time Sinclair went missing, so they, he wants to bring some Benson in. That's just, that's just, you know, logical. <laughs> you got a lot of money at the same time our commander went missing? Hmm. Go about your yeah. business. No, 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 no. Don't Good do thinking, that. Garibaldi. I've seen too much Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. So, Night Two and Sinclair back with him. He's trying to get Sinclair to remember, and he actually does. He sees nine figures cloaked in gray, and one of them has a staff. Yeah, uh, this was good. I liked how they showed Good each stuff. one of them, like, one figure, two figures. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took forever, too, didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? Yeah. <laughs> This was this was just good. Like this is where honestly before this with the flashbacks and his blacking out and all of that stuff, I wasn't that interested. But then when we finally get some hooded figures, I'm like, okay, we're maybe actually gonna find something out this episode. So Sinclair just wants to know what's going on and one of them zaps him with his staff. Isn't he like tied up at the point? That's lights wrong. Yeah. Okay. Benson arrives uh, in the night's quarters asking for help. Night one's, you know, we don't have time. Benson hears a scream and goes to in the next room to investigate. And night two says, terminate. And then night one shoots Benson. And then we see Sinclair flexing his hand like he's doing in the simulation. So uh, night one didn't really try very hard to keep Benson out of that room, did he? No. <laughs> he's just like, no, no, no. Night oh. one's kind of a flunky. 
<laughs> I mean, even his Wrath of Connie kind of was a flunky. <laughs> In the simulation, Night 2 wants to know what the gray figures mean and what Sinclair is hiding. Sinclair says he's not hiding anything. And Night 2 says uh, if he fails, more will come after him. Yeah. So this probably isn't over. Next we see Garibaldi and his aide. They found Benson's body, which was shoved outside. And they realized that it couldn't have been carried far. So they're going to limit their focus near the area where they found the body. Next, we're back with Night 2 and Sinclair. Night 2 doesn't believe that Sinclair just blacked out. He really wants to know why the Mimbari surrendered. He speculates that they took a look at Earth's defenses, realized the cost of invading, and decided that they needed to defeat Earth from within. He thinks that Sinclair is a spy, and he points to all the alien influence on Earth right now. Sinclair is saying that he didn't betray Earth, and for years... Every time he saw him in bar, he just had to resist the urge, just strangle them with his hands. Nothing has ever made him doubt that he blacked out, except for that one part in the gathering where the guy said, there's a hole in your mind. So he wants to know what happened. So then he, we go to another flashback, and he's on the Minbari ship, tied to some kind of structure, triangular-looking structure. And one of the figures approach him, holds up some kind of triangular device and leaves he then glows though yeah so he then sees all the figures approach and again he's asking them what do you want uh why is this going on and he removes the hood from one of them and recognizes who he sees and then he gets zapped yeah um at this point we don't yeah we don't see yet um what he saw but i kind of assumed it was delenn at that point just because that would be like the biggest shocker, I think. And we don't really know many other Minbari. We've seen a few, you know, here and there, but... Yeah, I think that's what Aaron asked me when that scene happened, because we watched all of the episodes in a row, so it wasn't like that big, long year break in between The Gathering and then this episode. We only had like a week. And he was like, wait, didn't Delenn say in the very first episode not to mention the Great Council in her presence? I'm like, yeah. He's like... Could that be Delenn? I'm like, I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we also go back just a second to when Sinclair is uh, talking about that if uh, that basically he was going to like kill himself just to try and take a few of them with him. Um, I was wondering if that was sort of the start of his little death wish problem that we've been noticing. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, I think, I think someone, I don't know when it says, it's a survivor's remorse thing. Yeah, uh, Garibaldi, a couple of episodes, said something around about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and one thing about the um, CGI flashbacks, um, Heidi, don't know if you noticed this, so I know it was really bad and they kept on repeating it, <laughs> but the Membari ships don't have any rotating sections. Okay. And... What does Babylon. that mean? Well, Babylon <laughs> 5 does. And uh-huh. Babylon 5 they don't have has to rotate rot- to f- simulate gravity. Yeah, yeah. Bari know how to generate gravity somehow. Whereas okay. human technology, we're not that far advanced yet. Mm-hmm. But in real life, Sinclair breaks free and goes berserk. <laughs> he smashes Night 2's device and punches Night 1. 
starts having more flashes to the war while he's walking through the station. We see um, Night One get a weapon and go off searching for Sinclair. Uh, we see a crew member try to stop Sinclair. He shoots at her and misses and runs away. But while this crew member is contacting the CNC, Night One shoots her. Back on the CNC, our favorite nameless technician traces the call that they got, and Garibaldi is on his way there. We should give nameless technician a name. Yeah, we really should. <laughs> Clara. No, I don't know. Clara. <laughs> okay, we'll call her Clara. Okay. She needs a second name, though. Clara. Yes. We'll figure it out later. Um, <laughs> maybe more mysterious. Maybe she's like Cher. The last name. She just has one name, yeah. No, her last name is A. She's Clara A. Clara. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sinclair hears Ivanova trying to make contact with him, but Delenn spots Sinclair and follows him. Night one uh, shoots at Sinclair, and there's a three-way firefight with even Sinclair shooting at Garibaldi. Franklin has found out where Sinclair was being held and warns that he was being treated with psychotropic drugs, and he might be dangerous in his present state. And Garibaldi's like, duh. Uh, Dylan enters saying that, Sin, uh, Sin, telling Sinclair that he's safe and he says that he knows who she is. Dylan says, yeah, I'm your friend. So he has more flashbacks to the Battle of the Line and we see Night One standing up in the background and Sinclair shoots him and that puts it into the crisis. Yeah, and it's here we find out, yes, uh, Dylan was in that flashback was one of the great beers. Yeah, and this was interesting that like instead of making it so that he was really reliving it, like you would think that her being there would just add to the hallucination, but instead it sort of brought him back to reality enough to make a conscious choice to like shoot the knight and keep up the I don't think he really made this choice at this time, but kind of keep up the the charade that he doesn't know anything about her. So I thought that that was, that was interesting because he really could have just completely gone off on her, but instead it kind of brought him back. And I think she knew what he was experiencing in a weird way mm -hmm. because she mm. remembers what he said at the time, whatever she, she had some sort of prescience as to knew what was going on and not to like aggravate the situation. Yeah. Well, of course, it's a um, woman's intuition. She's his wife. She knows exactly. what he's thinking. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> well, Elizabeth isn't here. I'll have to carry the torch somehow. <laughs> In med lab, Sinclair has been out for a day. Franklin's gotten the drugs out of his system. Garibaldi informs him that the prisoner, Night 2, is being sent home. Earth Central exercised jurisdiction and wanted the trial to be there instead of on B5. Uh, they think he's part of a group trying to prove collusion between Earth and the Mbari government. And there are rumors that this group is run from inside the government. But Garibaldi, they don't think, well, Franklin doesn't think they're going to get much out of the guy because when Sinclair broke out of the cybernet, the feedback charge fried his memory. But Sinclair still wants to see him. Yeah, well... So when the head doctor tells you, yeah, you're not going to get anything out of this guy, he's um, he's gone, you, you usually trust him. Yeah, he still wants to go and question him. Yeah. I guess, yeah. A, I guess a telepath wouldn't have been able to get anything out of him either. It's his brains. 
going. Uh, not Talia. There's yeah, probably not... a telepath that probably could have gotten stuff out of him. Yeah. She's not starring in this episode, she's so she can't do it. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sinclair, so Sinclair goes to see the prisoner and ask him his name. He doesn't remember. He wants to know who sent him. Guy still doesn't remember. But when Garibaldi refers to Sinclair as commander, that kind of wakens something in his head. He says, there's something in my head. It says, maybe you're still inside. Maybe we're still both inside. So are they still in the Matrix or what? Or is Sinclair still on the Minbari ship? Ah. Oh. Hmm. Also, when they very first walk up to uh, the knight to talk to him, Garibaldi's like, we need to speak to him alone. The guards yeah. back up like one step. <laughs> <laughs> I said okay. alone. Pro- yeah, perhaps they're actually extremely deaf and <laughs> can't hear anything that happens two steps away from them. <laughs> yes, and Garibaldi also gives them some privacy by also backing up one step. <laughs> Next, the prison vessel is leaving. Sinclair goes to see Delaney in her quarters and thanks her for her help. He also thinks it's strange that seeing her was the only thing that could break him out of his delusional state. But before he leaves, she asks if he remembers anything from the experience. And we get another flashback and see Sinclair pulling off the hood and he sees Delaney. But back in the present, Sinclair says he doesn't remember anything and leaves. People in their secrets. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because he realized at that moment that she's been holding secrets from him and just the general nature of Sinclair means that he's going to start probably holding some secrets from her. It's like, you know, give and take. That's part of diplomacy. Yeah. So when he leaves, Delin turns around and speaks to a guy, another Minbari with a triangle on his head. So he says that Sinclair must never know what happened and if he ever finds out, he must be killed. So I I think it's interesting that she's taking orders from someone. Yeah. I, I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that point. Um, I just kind of thought, well, it's a good thing that Sinclair lied since this other Mimbari guy is like standing <laughs> behind the wall and possibly going to come out and kill him if he knows something. <laughs> Smart. Um, I th- but I, I also kind of wonder if Delenn knows and just isn't saying like that Sinclair has to have, you know, figured things out. Don't know. Uh, protecting her husband, Darcy. Exactly. <laughs> I think this actor is the same guy that played Durog in the Parliament of Dreams, the guy who wanted to kill Jakar. Okay. And he was also in the War Prayer and Midnight on the Firing Lines, other characters. Ah, uh, one of these repeat actors. Yeah. So I'm checking right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, check on Um... He was Narn Captain, Midnight of the Firing Line, and, and Parliament of Dreams, Durog, yeah. In, he was in the War Prayer and Sky Full of Stars. Cool. So in Sinclair's quarters, he makes a log entry, personal log, and he remembers what happened and recounts he was tortured and everything. He wonders if what he saw was the Grey Council and thinks they must have erased his memory. He also wonders what Delenn was doing there and what they don't want him to remember and says he has to find out. And that's the end of the show. Is it wise to put this kind of information in a computer? Yeah, like, you think (laughs) the Minbari would be able to read his logs if they wanted to. 
Yeah. Well, perhaps he wants some record of it, you know, just in case something happens to him and Ivanovic then gets command of the station, you you know, or maybe um, something else happens and um, he loses his memory and he needs to figure out what he remembered or, you know, he's already lost his memory, you know, several times. His memory's been screwed with. He might as well have a third an objective third party come in like the computer and record things yeah so it's like oh my god i don't remember that and he's like well you recorded it on the computer oh yeah okay <laughs> it's kind of like it uh, um made me think of uh what was the episode doctor who where they were marking their bodies so they the could silence remember. yeah so they could remember mm-hmm. they were marking with hash marks on their body so they couldn't actually remember it yeah yeah Jason sent us this clip. Let's take a quick trip down memory lane, if you don't mind. I hope you can hear this. Okay, so (laughs) I think that, well, Delenn said that she's there to observe Sinclair. And I really hate to say this because I like her and I don't think that she's bad. And um, but uh, I'm going to say that she is there to observe him because his time that is gone uh they they basically alien abducted him and (laughs) did something to him and then put him back in his ship and then they surrendered and i don't know if he is an experiment or what exactly she's doing there to observe him but that's what I think is going on, that she's there for nefarious reasons. Ah, pretty good there, Heidi. <laughs> Yay yep. for alien abduction theories. I am Mulder. Awesome. <laughs> hey, well, no, if you were Mulder, you'd come up with an absurd theory, you know. <laughs> Something even more absurd. Okay, well, one thing that JMS said that they learned their lesson from the pilot where they kind of just shoved a lot of information at you too quickly. So they sort of held back a lot of the art stuff at the beginning of the uh, season one. So we're starting to see some of that now, this in the last it, episode. Yeah, even so, it's only episode eight and you yeah. get a good bit of information. Mm-hmm. You're already getting answers. Yeah, yeah, which is nice because... Um, a lot of series start out very episodic and and especially back in the 90s but um, but even now a lot of series will start out you know kind of a either you know monster of the week or whatever they happen to be and then kind of become more serialized and so this is nice that we we are getting some answers already yeah well for example angel season one compared to angel season two <laughs> yes <laughs> All right, so we're going to move into our quotes of the week. I only have one. My one quote is from Ivanova. She says, Mr. Garibaldi, there are days I'm very glad I don't have to think the way you do. Man, that's the one I had to Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I think most of mine are Ivanova so far. Well, there weren't, like, I don't know. There didn't seem to be a lot of quotable things in this episode for me. Because I yeah, like funny quotes. Yeah, even the foreboding things that are going on and the things you get answered here, they're not really that quotable. 
Yeah. Yeah, there was a thing about the lies, but that was too long. I didn't want to write it down. I do, I do have something, though. It's uh, actually from the um, newspaper. It, it's copyright thing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Copyright trial continues in book zap flap. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, blink and you miss it, but yeah, I love like that. It's just the alliteration of it. Book zap flap. I think after that, it says books downloaded directly into brain. Who owns them? And that's kind of a topic now. Like when you have digital copies of books, like do you really own them or you're just you know buying a license to read them on your tablet or whatever? Yeah, and I mean that method of delivery doesn't sound that exciting to me. It's just okay, right? Oh, I I've read that book. You don't get the experience of reading it or listening to it. it it's it's the same as watching a TV. So you know you yeah. you like how things unfold. You like not knowing bits of the story and then discovering the rest of it as time goes on. Just downloading it into your brain. That's Boring. Yeah. Any other quotes? Yeah. Um, I let's looked see, I on IMDb. Oh, I can't. Sorry. The ones that are on here are like, I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. This is just like <laughs> literally quoting parts of the episode. Yeah, there's a lot of those on uh, TV.com too. But I did find one from Sinclair. Um, Everyone lies, Michael. The innocent lie because they don't want to be blamed for something they didn't do. And the guilty lie because they don't have any other choice. Kind of liked that one. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a, a Dr. House philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe Elizabeth has some quotes and hopefully she can send something in. Uh, how about our characters of the week? Start off with human of the week. I don't know, I'm sure. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Sinclair. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of... not really anyone else. Oh, well, there's always Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's Sinclair, I think. Garibaldi's age because he's easy on the eyes. <laughs> How about our alien of the week? Not a lot of choices, but <laughs> again, I think it's got to be Delenn. Yeah, yeah gotta I mean, be Delenn. Yeah, that's probably the best choice is Delenn. Too bad Kosh isn't in it. Kosh is always my alien of the week. I don't care what he does. He can come in and say no. That's it, and leave. <laughs> like, You're my alien of the week, dude. Well, it would be very mysterious if he did, so. Well, he does it a few times. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's always mysterious. So we'll go with Sinclair and Delenn. Now let's get to our episode ratings. Well, I can only really put this as, like, the quality episode and the acting's a little bit weird and kind of low. I mean, the, the night one is just, he's kind of just terrible, but I'd say seven. Okay. All right, Ian. Um, yeah. Um, well, mate, I seem to be giving a lot of episode seven, but it's just yeah, these early episodes are really good in some ways, but they touch on lovely little things that can be explored, and you get some answers, but not too much. Keeps you interested. Um. But it still has to be seven. Uh, I'd say seven virtual reality cybernets out of ten. Okay, Heidi. Um, I liked this one in some ways and didn't in others. Like it, it moved things along, but 
it was also kind of slow because we kept seeing the same flashback over and over and the information coming was really, really slow and a lot of rehashing and talking about the same thing over and over again. And in a way, I thought that this episode could have benefited by kind of a B storyline going on somewhere else, which maybe wouldn't have worked because, you know, Sinclair was missing. So, of course, the whole station is looking for him. But um, but I thought that, I don't know, that maybe something else could have been going on because it seemed like this plot was just too much for, like, the full 42 minutes or whatever it is. And so... Well- yeah, sorry, I just sort no, of a big plot you could have had. You could have had something involving Delenn and mm-hmm. um, perhaps, you know, some of her search for uh, Sinclair, which still yeah. would have tied in with the main plot, but you would have been able to go to something else for a short while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been something something different, you know. Um, so, yeah, I felt it was a bit stretched out. Um, and I liked the information that we got, but again, I wanted more of it. And uh, and apparently I predicted this, so I already knew it was going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this one 6.5 out of 10 triangular crystals. Okay. Awesome. Well, hopefully Elizabeth can send in her score. We'll get that. But as far as... Okay, I think I like this episode more than you guys, but... Yeah, it was a little bit slow, and I would have liked to have seen some more characters, but I was just happy to finally get a little bit more of the mystery of what happened at the line. And I gave this episode an 8 out of 10. Oh, I forgot what my rating was. What was it? An 8 out of 10 zaps from a staff. (laughs) So next we'll move into feedback. First, we have an email from Yan. Who wants to read Yan's email? I can take that one. Okay. Hello, fellow lurkers in down below. A bit of feedback for And the Sky Full of Stars. Because I am away at a small convention in Copenhagen where I was... Sorry. Where I was talking a bit of JMS. So this is just from the memory of the episode. My dear ambassadors, here we found another of your wishes granted. We got to know more about what happened to Sinclair that caused the famous hole in his mind at the final battle against the massive Mimbari fleet, his missing 24 hours of memory. What I like most with this episode is that we do get some information. This is one of the season one episodes that I really look forward to every time. It raises the question in an even more urgent way. Why did the Mimbari suddenly surrender after having defeated the Earth defenses completely? What is it that they don't want to be known? Some answers, and then questions, questions, questions. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite human, Sinclair. Favorite alien, Dylan. Favorite quote. What happened at the Battle of the Line, Commander? Don't you want to know? Rating of the episode. Eight strange mind-reading devices. Watch out for all the signs important. Yan, the the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, Yan. Thank you. Did he just end it off that way? Oh my god, signs important. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Uh, our next email is from Jason. I'll take that one. She says, I absolutely love the creepiness of the empty station. I think there are some flaws in this episode, but they're easy to forget with all the answers we get. The compromised security officers seem a completely useless part of the story. When Delenn walks into the crossfire, I'm reminded of the ceremony in Parliament of Dreams. Will you follow me into fire, into storm, into darkness, into death? 
When Sinclair says, I know you, I think you see a brief look of horror on Delenn when Delenn realizes what that means. Absolutely love the creepiness. Oh, wait. I copied this twice, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> That's um, Jason's email. He did send us the clip from earlier. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thanks. Dear Jason, I'll take Laurie's then. Okay. It's a short one. So quick feedback this week. However, just because of being busy and not the episode... Oh, sorry, I'm not sure that makes sense. I'll try again. Some quick feedback this week. However, just because of being busy and not the episode. Right, I get that. Really like the background on Franklin. Thought that was interesting. Cannot wait to hear the newbie's excitement regarding the flashbacks. However, my teenage son who watched this one with me commented on how truly awful the CGI was. I had to point out it was made well before he was born. <laughs> Looking forward to your thoughts. Alien, Delenn, human, I guess it has to be Sinclair for this one. Laurie. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Thanks, Laurie. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Laurie. They agree with us on human and alien. This is pretty easy. Although there wasn't really much of a choice this yeah. week. Our next episode is called Death Walker, and our guest host will be Jason. So, Heidi, since you're the only newbie this week, any predictions on Death Walker? Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> Deep Please space let zombies. Oh, uh, we just gotta hope uh, Jakar get, doesn't get bit because the zombie Jakar would be a nasty thing to oh. see. <laughs> yes, Kodath is coming back to life. Kodath! Kodath! <laughs> <laughs> well, so zombie Ivanova now. would be weird. Oh, yeah. She'd be vicious. What happens oh, yeah. when a telepath comes back to life? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Zombie Kosh. Well, yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> that. How would that, that I... be different? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty much that already. We don't know what's under that suit. Actually, he might oh. move faster. Uh huh. Now, zombies are. Yeah, well, zombie I guess it depends on your version. From, yeah, you can't stop talk, uh, zombie Kosh from talking. He just he's yapping zombie. <laughs> <laughs> With real information rather than just, you know, vague things. Yeah, it's really hard to go off Death Walker. Some of the titles this season so far. Been... <laughs> I really don't have anything else on the on the title, but um, but overall series, I did kind of come up with one um, based on what was said. Let's see, um, when Sinclair and uh, Doctor Franklin and Garibaldi are talking about um, sending the knight back to Earth because his brain is fried. Uh, I think it's Garibaldi that explains that there's apparently a rumor of a cover operation where the where people on Earth and the Bimbari colluded, and that's like why the war ended how it did. And I always think in TV shows that rumors have a basis somewhere. So I'm thinking that maybe this is partially correct. Maybe there was like a um, a faction of the government or something that uh, that colluded with the Mimbaris, and honestly, I have no idea what they what they could have got from each other. I mean, Earth could have got better technology, but what could the Mimbari have wanted? And maybe that also has something to do with Sinclair and what they are using him for. Um, 
So, yeah, like that line, I think it was supposed to be kind of throwaway, but maybe not. And so I like read a whole lot into it that maybe wasn't there. And anything else? I mean, you got some answers here and some of the questions. Oh, so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, TJ, uh, thanks for joining us this week. Um, Tell us where we can find you online. I have a YouTube channel. That's it. It's just me and Aaron vlogging our lives. That's it. (laughs) I mean, it's youtube.com slash dashrick, D-A-S-H-R-I-C. But, you know, I don't really talk about Babylon 5 much. Mostly Star Trek. Yeah, cool. At least on Tuesday. Nice guy. Yeah. That's all we have for today, everyone. Until next time, take care and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. Downbelowcast.